Blog Talk Radio. Agent with them 
started in the Richmond, Virginia field office um, back in 2000 and um, immediately came on during an election year. So kind of jumped right into things uh, and jumped uh, onto the campaign trail, working a lot of protection assignments and then coming back into the Richmond field office and working some counterfeit cases. Um, people sometimes forget that uh, the Secret Service does a lot, a lot of investigative work, um, especially economic crimes. So working yeah, a lot of right. uh, counter, yeah, counterfeit and uh, fraud cases and uh, counterfeit checks and credit cards and things of that nature. Um, and did, did that in Richmond, Virginia for uh, about three years until I transferred up after sep- the September 11th attacks. Uh, after that, I transferred up to the Washington, D.C. field office, uh, the Washington field office, where it was mostly protection up there. Uh, I did some some investigative work, but it was mostly protection-related work there. And uh, then I really got involved in protective intelligence work, which was threat cases mostly, uh, interviewing and assessing people who had made threats against protectees of the Secret Service, and then did a headquarters assignment there in D.C. Uh, with intelligence, the Secret Service's intelligence division um, and uh, got involved with doing more of the advanced work uh, ahead of the president or vice president and doing the uh, assessments for, for threats and um, doing threat analysis, things of that nature. And wow. – uh, then I ended up good. I was going to ask you if it's as exciting as it sounds. Um, there was well, it's it sounds awesome, doesn't it? It sounds it oh, it sounds like a it sounds like a great movie. Um, and, <laughs> but then there's for every you know for every fast paced motorcade you know movement or every uh, interesting interview with a, you know a threat case. There, you know, were probably, you know, 50 uh, times you stood post in a hotel in Portland, Oregon, or Syracuse, New York, or you know, Austin, Texas, and you're standing in a hallway on a midnight shift for eight hours or 12 hours, um, oh. you know, in a hotel somewhere, um, and nothing is going on. So it it has extreme extreme highs and extreme lows and uh, everything in between, um, and then some, there was some surreal things. I got, you know, I got this. I spent two months at the Olympics um, coordinating um, explosive sweeps, uh, bomb sweeps, working tech, what's called technical security. So, and it's a really bizarre thing when you're actually looking to find things that might blow you up. Um, so, yeah. it, it's a very, very strange profession. Um, mm-hmm. So. So I did that for a number of years. Then I went, went, uh, decided to get out of that work too, because you move around a lot. And I, I got married, and my wife and I decided not to to just bounce around from city to city for the rest of my federal career. So I got uh, transferred to another agency um, called OPM, and I trained federal background investigators and really got into the training field. Ended up with the Marshal Service at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center in Georgia, doing some work for them for their training programs, and um, now I currently work at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center um, in the accredita- training accreditation field as a law enforcement specialist and help make sure that uh, 
agencies are uh, getting their training programs up to certain standards and and helping uh, federal agencies get accredited. So, um, so that's uh, that's the gist of my federal career. I've actually been the, I just hit 19 years uh, with the, the federal government. So I don't know how that happened. It's, I blinked. I blinked, and suddenly I've got about two decades yeah. of federal service. That's, that's life. <laughs> Hey, I know you're not allowed to talk about anything about presidents, but you are allowed to at least name drop any presidents that you worked with during your career. Well, I came on. I came on when at the end of Clinton's, um, Bill Clinton's uh, mm-hmm. uh, tenure in office, and then I was there throughout most of the Bush administration. But then I, uh, you know, there was obviously there was former presidents. Who I was around, who were still alive mm-hmm. at the time, um, so I worked mm-hmm. in protection with them. And then people forget that the Secret Service also handles foreign uh, heads of state as well. So uh, there would be, you know, it might be the Prime Minister of Israel uh, comes in, and you might be working protection for the uh, or the the President of Egypt. Um, you you, you oh. might be working for. Yeah, there was times I, I protected the president of Costa Rica. Um, it, there was. You, there's all sorts of things that don't aren't necessarily high profile and don't get a lot of media attention. So, so um, as far as U.S. presidents, that's that's who I, you know, was in office when I was uh, there. And then of course, you know, all the vice presidents and the the slew of family members that were around when I was there. Right. Right. Let's steer the uh, conversation uh, toward your writing. Your most recent book is Record Scratch. Author Jennifer Hiller said this about your book, and it's real nice. Equal parts classic whodunit and gritty noir, peppered with a high-octane action scenes that will leave you breathless. It sounds great. Can you tell us a little bit about the book without giving away any spoilers? Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, that was really nice of Jennifer to say because she always makes fun of me for not smiling. Um, looking so stoic. So that was, she she is always making fun of me. So that was nice for her to say that. Um, but uh, no, Record Scratch is uh, the second in my Trevor Galloway series uh, with Down and Out books, and I just uh, that that just came out last October. And uh, this is uh, Trevor Galloway is uh, my favorite protagonist that I've I've come up with, and in this case, uh, Trevor Galloway is uh, speaking with the sister of a uh, musician uh, who was very big in the 80s and has kind of faded to to some extent, but is still well known. Um, The musician uh, had been uh, a year prior, and the sister wants to hire him to investigate the murder and also to recover a a single vinyl record, which uh, the, the musician Jimmy Spartan had recorded uh, his, this album before his death. And the album, she thinks it, it's really bad and it could be very damaging to his career if it gets out. And she thinks that the killer took the album. And uh, – she wants to hire Galloway, who is kind of on the fence about it, but yeah, he does need need the money. And uh, Galloway's a former narcotics detective. He's got a kind of a shady history, so he he doesn't have a lot of employment options. And he's kind of on the fence about taking it. And but as he kind of resolves to take it, uh, the sister ends up killing herself, and then out of more of a, more of a sense of obligation. Than anything, uh, 
he feels like he needs to go and get involved in this case. Um, now, the the book is laid out. I do this with some of my books. Um, I, I structure them in a very specific way. The book is actually laid out in tracks on a vinyl album. So each chapter is a song title uh, that is on the vinyl album that Trevor Galloway is looking for. So um, there's, I think, 15 tracks or 12 tracks. I can, now I'm forgetting. And each one is a song title, and the song title hints at some of the action that's in that chapter. Um, and that's that's a, a device that I use um, in my writing sometimes on some of my books is to, to kind of create an internal outline, if you will, um, in my structure. So, so uh, that's that's the uh, the structure of this book, and and uh, throughout the, throughout the the case, uh, Galloway has to uh, he gets involved with the music business, which was interesting because I love doing research and I loved learning more about record players and turntables, which are not the same thing as as I discovered, and <laughs> I. I ended up uh, being able to integrate a little bit about counterfeit money into the case, which is kind of more in line with my expertise, which I've been waiting to do for a while. So it was a really, really fun book to research and write. Well, uh, you must have done something right because Record Scratch won an honorable mention as uh, one of the best of 2018 uh, in Suspense Magazine, right? So congratulations. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, um, a question about the the record track um, alignment, which is a a, a really interesting um, way to structure the book. Did you like write actual songs, uh, or did you have a real sense of, in your mind, not necessarily you know on the page, but what? because you use the title for each chapter, correct? But did you actually, like, construct a song and know what each song was about as you were writing the chapter? I wrote out the the, the song titles for the album ahead of time, and then I, I tweaked a few after I wrote that chapter. If I thought, okay, well, that... The, the the title would better reflect the action if it said this. I would go back and change the title of the song uh, to some extent. Some of the titles remain the same all the way through. Uh, so I didn't write an entire song. I'm not that talented. Um, <laughs> my, my, my brother, who's, who, my, my my brother is my musical uh, reference. He's he's in the music business and is a sound engineer and, and is a musician himself, so he could probably do it. But uh, um, no, I just I made up song titles and you know imagined them on a vinyl record and and uh, ended up using those titles and then just tweaked them if if I need to once I wrote out that chapter and said okay does that is that the title I want to stick with? Okay, mm. all right. Okay, I, I, I still like the idea. Yeah, I mean I I yeah, use clever. like um, in some of mine um, books I I use um, uh, you know like quotes or. Um, Something along that line for certain chapters, but uh, doing the whole book in, as a uh, an album is is really an interesting concept. It kind of keeps me in a line. Oh. I don't I don't outline I don't outline my work ahead of time, so I have to sometimes I have to kind of create a structure for the book itself uh, to keep me in some sort of alignment. Um, but yeah. uh, I don't outline my work ahead of time. That would. That would uh, that would be too much work. I'm not doing that. Yeah, well, I tried that and it didn't work. My characters decided they wanted to do something else. 
of Irrevocable yeah. Facts isn't, isn't your first Trevor Galloway book, is it? You did Bold no, no, Action bold, Remedy? Bold, yeah, bold Action Remedy was the first one, and that came out last, uh, last October, so the, the previous October. So pretty much every October I, I have a book come out now. Oh. Can you tell us a little bit about the Galloway character? You said he was flawed or sh- not, not, you didn't use the word shady, but – I, I he get has the a, sense he has he's a not a typical path. hero. Yeah. Okay. No, no. He, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's a former narcotics detective in Pittsburgh who um, had been uh, – he ended up, through the nature of his work, uh, getting abducted by a gang that he had been investigating, a drug gang. And they had done quite a number on him and ended up um, abducting him and um, – torturing him to some extent and actually getting him hooked on on drugs and he ended up revealing quite a bit of information to them and uh he ended up um getting away from from them but he because he had revealed information he had uh the department did not look kindly upon his actions uh and he basically had been forced out of the department and he had tried a couple other mm-hmm. things that didn't pan out for him career wise. So he tried his hand, decided to try his hand at basically being a uh, private investigator, even though he's unlicensed. And he's, he has a bit of a, a PTSD issue and tied in with some, um, his, you know, previous drug abuse, his, his addiction problems. And, uh, he has these, uh, hallucinations sometimes, and these cause him all sorts of problems because he, he has these people who are still after him. This drug game is still after him. He ha- so he has people behind him who are after him. He has people in front of him that he's trying to chase down, and sometimes he doesn't know who behind him is real. Sometimes he doesn't know who in front of him is real. So it creates uh, all sorts of stress for him when when he's not exactly sure what he's seeing is real, and he he has enemies, but he's not sure which ones are, are true threats or not. So it, it, he, he can take some medication, but if he takes some medication, his, his thoughts are completely clouded and he's pretty useless. And if he's off the medication, then the images come back and he's, he can't trust his own thoughts. So he's, he's kind of between a rock and a hard place. And it, uh, it, it created an, it creates a very interesting dynamic for him. Um, and he's he's very logical about it. Um, he's very he's a very stoic character. People call him the Tin Man because uh, they think he's heartless, uh, but he's just very, he's, he's very introspective and very thoughtful sometimes. It sounds like he's very complex. Yeah, he sounds like a, he, a hard uh, character to write, but I sort of feel sorry for the guy. <laughs> um, he, he, yeah, he, he can be very sympathetic at times, and then. Uh, but he has a bit of a temper too, so sometimes ah, people so feel sympathy for him, and then people, yeah, and then sometimes people are like, eh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't feel too sorry for this guy. So that's uh, <laughs> it's uh, I'll let I'll let the readers decide if, how they feel about him. Well, and now your earlier books also, well, some of them, uh, two of them, right, feature a, a, a different detective, and then you have a doctor who appears in your book that's about. Uh, uh, Race, uh, what's it called when it's a foot race? I'm like marathon. Oh, right? uh, the marathon. Oh, the marathon. Yes. Uh, yeah, was, uh, and and then the doctor actually pops up in another book. So, 
Um, do I have that right? Can you tell me a little bit about your your earlier books before Trevor? Yeah, they they it's kind of an an orthodox trilogy actually. They they kind of tie together. Um, the first book was Resolve, and it was set against the backdrop of a marathon. Um, and it involves Dr. Cypress Keller, who's a, a college professor, actually not a medical doctor, but a college professor. And he uh, ends up getting entangled in a series of murders in uh, Pittsburgh and gets to the point where he believes he has to kill somebody during the Pittsburgh Marathon. And uh, that one is set in 26.2 chapters, uh, is structured in 26.2 chapters. So that's one of, that's the first book I wrote, and that's, that's how I got started on structuring books that way. Mm-hmm. Um, then the, sec- the second one, I switched to a completely different character named Jackson Channing, a um, homicide detective in Pittsburgh. And that one, uh, he, that, that, book is structured into the 12 steps of addiction recovery. Um, Narcotics oh. Anonymous was kind enough to give me reprint permission to, to do that one. And that um, each of the steps hints at the action in the chapters for that one. And then uh-huh. what I did, what I did for the third one is called Chalk's Outline. And that one, I uh, decided to uh, go a little crazy. And that one involves both, Dr. Cypress Keller and Jackson Channing, they joined together. Uh, I brought them both together uh, and uh, kind of threw them into the same mix. Uh, and there's uh, an individual uh, named Robert Chalk who seems to want Cypress Keller dead. And Jackson Channing is trying to, to help him, trying to find out why why this is the case. Uh, and the, each one of those is structured differently and written different points of view and required uh, research in different areas. So I, I tend to tend to try to do something different with every book to to keep it a little bit fresh. And so if a reader picks you know picks up the next one in the series, they're like, oh well this is this is not the same same type book I read before. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Well what what's next on the horizon for you? You have one um, coming out in twenty nineteen, right? No? Yeah, then uh October again. Um Forgiveness Dies, mm-hmm. which will be the next Galloway book. Um it it comes out in twenty nineteen. It'll be structured um in a set of uh thirty five millimeter photographs, a pack of photographs from a film strip. Um and each each photograph is described at the beginning of each chapter. And that that's related to the case. And then I just started work on the next Galloway book, which will be uh, what 2020. And um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm able to disclose on short stories, but I've got I've got a couple works, short stories that'll be in anthologies over the next two years as well. So, so uh, I'm uh, very busy. It's a good thing I write fast because I'm uh, actually um, actually got a lot coming out the next couple of years. Well, that's good. I mean, do you have a writing routine? What's that? Do you have a writing routine? Um, it is. I have a seven-year-old daughter, um, so <laughs> I write whenever she is asleep. Um, and uh, when whenever it is quiet in the house. <laughs> um, so uh, that's pretty much it. Whenever my wife is a workaholic, so whenever she is busy and she is working, and whenever my daughter is passed out, 
that's when I can grab the computer and type away. Well, you mentioned your short stories in your anthology. Um, oh, well, you know, before before we, I asked that, um, you know, I guess we had talked before we went on the air for a minute, but um, yeah, I, I don't know if you want to mention that you currently have a lot more writing time or whether you just want to leave that one. Oh uh, yes, I'm one. I'm one of the many furloughed federal workers, so I'm cranking out the words at the moment. So um, may, I may may get my next novel done a little bit faster than I anticipated. It's uh, not by choice and not with not my preference, but uh, um, I am uh, cranking able to crank out a thousand fifteen word fifteen hundred words a day easily uh, right now. So mm-hmm. maybe not maybe not good words, maybe angry words, but they're they're words. <laughs> so. But they're words. Mm-hmm. They're they're words, no. and and it's, yeah. it's 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 easy to be inspired when you have time on your hands and the sun is out. And did I mention it's warm here? It's like sixty one. Yeah, I mentioned that once or yeah. twice. I think. Okay. <laughs> it is. I mean, blind blindingly sunny right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> Where can readers find your books and follow you on social media? I am. Uh, I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. I'm. I'm. Omnipotent. Um, I am on Twitter at JJ Hensley Author is my Twitter handle, and mm-hmm. I have a Facebook page, uh, JJ Hensley Author page. If you put that in Facebook, I pop up. Um, I've got a Amazon Author page. I've got. I'm on Goodreads. If people put my name in Goodreads. Um, what else I got? Uh, I've got a website, uh, www.hensley-books.com, and I've got a blog, which if you guys are familiar with Pittsburgh Ease, um, you'll understand the reference to this. Um, it is My blog is called um, Yens to Y'all, because I moved oh. from Pittsburgh <laughs> to Savannah. So yep. it's Yens, mm-hmm. uh, Y-I-N-Z. To y'all, yep. uh, Y-A-L-L, yeah. because they don't know what yens is down here, but they know what y'all is. Exactly. Um, you know, um, I have a, a niece, actually, who lives in uh, in Savannah, and when she moved south, uh, she suddenly started yawn everybody when she comes back home here to, to Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. so... Familiar with oh, I can't phenomenon. wait to see what. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens with my daughter because she's seven. I mean, my my wife is originally from Poland. I'm originally from West Virginia, but we've lived up north. We've lived in Virginia. We've lived in Pennsylvania. We've we've moved around, and I have no idea what my daughter's accent is going to be, but it's going to be wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, maybe she won't have one. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe mine, mine's faded over the years. Maybe she'll just kind of have that neutral accent. I don't know. Yeah, be very cosmopolitan. Yes. Well, um, I think we're close to running out of time, but um, JJ, do you, do you just want to mention um, your you you mentioned them briefly, but um, I know you're in a couple of anthologies, short stories. Do you want to give our listeners uh, just a, a minute or two of information about that before we close out? 
Um, the most recent one that is probably hopefully hopefully going to get mentioned for some awards coming this coming year is called The Night of the Flood. Um, mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it involves, uh, yeah, it involves, um, a lot of great authors. Um, and, uh, it, uh, just came out last year and it's, it's done really well and a lot of critical acclaim. It's really a novel told in stories. It was 14 of us got together and basically, you know, wrote this novel, but each of us took a chapter. Um, and told our own story as part of one coherent novel in one setting. And that was just mm-hmm. a blast to do. And I've never been part of a group project for writing like that, so I, I didn't know what to expect. I thought, okay, well, this is a bunch of you know, authors who aren't used to you know, collaborating. This could be a total train wreck, and it wasn't at all. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, and uh, that that's what, that's one I'm proud of, and I think we're going to – do something off, you know, maybe a, a follow up to that. So I'm hoping, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, that'll take off soon. So that's, but uh, I would definitely tell people to check that one out. That's, that's, uh, that hopefully that name is going to pop up over the next few months. You mention the title again. Night of the Blood. Flood. Night of the Flood. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's been a very yeah, interesting interview. Shelf of to be read pile, and so um, I better get to reading it. Well, um, I, I think that, uh, unfortunately, as we always do, we, we've run out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a really interesting interview, J.J., thank you. Uh, it's, uh, you bring an interesting perspective both to your career and to writing, so we appreciate you joining us today. Well, thanks for having me on this beautiful, sunny, warm day. <laughs> and a, a reminder to all your readers, our books are available at Sunbury Press's online bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online retailers and bookstores, too. And a special thanks to all you for listening to Milford House Mysteries. We hope you enjoyed our program. The next one will be on Thursday, February 7th, where Sherry and I will discuss how clothes make a character. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I'm on the web at www.sherrynolton.com plus Facebook and Twitter. And my website is www.carlylecrimecases.com and I'm on facebook.com backslash Crimecases by J.M. West. So until next time. Thank you for joining us, whether you're in warm country or cold country. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>